We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How is your voice today? (laughs) I thought you were going to say, how is your week? Because that's generally how you start. And I was going to say, from the sound of my voice, you can probably tell how (laughs) my week has been. Look, I've had better weeks. It's just been... Oh, it's so boring. It's just been lingering illness, lingering bad sleep. I'm a bit sick of myself coming on here every week and saying the sleep hasn't gotten any better. But yeah, no, I feel like every other family in Australia, we have been taken down by illness. Yes. But luckily I will say no one's been particularly unwell. Like I sound worse than I am or have been. It's just been that it's lasted so bloody long. But my heart goes out to everyone because it feels like people are just getting sickness after sickness. Next week we have an episode coming out all about winter illnesses so you don't have to wait long for that. But just know you're not alone. It's unfortunately very normal And yeah, that's kind of been my week. Yeah, look, our kids have been sick. We've had gastro and we've had all different kinds of bugs, but my heart goes out to my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law's kids because they have been literally hit hard with influenza A for it's now nearly coming into the third week. And I've got to say, like, watching them be so unwell and especially Greta being a single mum mum of two, luckily her baby daddy has really helped and, you know, is doing what he can. But yeah, I just, I don't know how everyone gets through winter with sick kids and then having, you know, partners go to work and then you've got to look after kids. It's just exhausting. I actually have a friend whose entire, like her son's entire school camp was sent home because gastro went through the school camp. Can you imagine... I feel for those teachers on that camp. Like imagine as you just watched each one go down with gastro, it's one thing to help your own child when they've got gastro, (laughs) let alone helping other kids do it. Like anyway, so we hope you're getting through it. That's all we can say. Absolutely. Now, mum hack. I have a mum hack and I used it today. I'm very proud of myself. So basically when I have shit loads of washing, which is pretty much every all day, yeah, I don't have a hot wash setting and it takes forever to go and do all the bedding. And I like to use heat for that to kill yeah. all the bugs because gross, head lice. Anyway, so I take it down to the nearest um, laundromat. Thank you, Sophie. And I, yeah, I take it down to the laundromat and chuck it all in one massive load. Don't be disgusting. Don't think dirty. And then I pop it in to the dryer and then in a whole hour that's all done and I don't have to worry about 
that until the next time people get me. I mean, until the next time I do a wash. And you said it's nice because you kind of feel like you're getting the housework done, but you go and take yourself off for a coffee or yeah, I might do a food shop time. or I might have a coffee. But the the best thing about it is I'm not doing five tiny washes to try and wash everyone's stuff. And if I did that, then I'd have to be going straight to pick up everyone from school. So it's a real mum hack. It's similar to the mum hack when people said that they say they're off to do a really, really big food shop, but they actually do click and collect and then take yeah, themselves the out best. for lunch with the remaining rest if of the hour. If you haven't heard that, you need to do that because that's invigorating. Now I have a Rudolph Fabulous and my favourite Rudolph Fabulouses kind of revolve around when we put fear into our children. Oh, yeah. So I love this one. I haven't been annoyed while I'm trying to cook recently because there's a big huntsman on the oven and my kid is shit scared of spiders and so he's too scared to come into the kitchen to annoy me. Every time he comes in, I say, spider's still here and off he goes back to play. That's actually really clever. We had another bat in the house. Unfortunately, that would get me out of the kitchen too. So Yeah. yeah. We had another bat in the house. I forgot to share with everyone. It was a micro bat. Harry and I ended up, it looked like we were playing that Harry Potter ball game in the air where I would like tap so that that wouldn't come my way and then he would tap so it would go another way. And anyway, it went on at night for about an hour. (laughs) I, by the end, was at on the floor just going, I think I've got a phobia now. I can't deal with this anymore. So would it be a bad time to say, do you have like a micro bat nest in your house? No, we don't. We have a few doors that we should like pop close at certain hours of the day, but we have dogs. So anyway, look, this is the perks of living on a farm. (laughs) Perks, I'm not sure, but we'll just go with that and appreciate nature. The journey. It's the journey. Now we're going to get into today's episode with the beautiful Layla. She is a postpartum doula from Village for Mama, and she has recently had twins and she chats to us about her twin pregnancy, her twin postpartum and everything in between, her confinement period, and I guess tips on having a rejuvenating postpartum. Maybe I could take some of the tips for myself. Is it too late? Pearl's four months old. Is it too late? Never too late. She's got a very soothing voice as well. So we hope you enjoy. Hello, Layla and your little ones. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. For those who don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your beautiful growing family? Yeah, well, thanks for having me, ladies. My name is Layla. I live on the southern Gold Coast with my husband, Ross, and are now three kids. Billy, my daughter, who's four, um, and then Noah and Joey, twin boys who are seven weeks old. Amazing. And you'll hear, I'm sure, little gurgles along the way because she's got them both with her. But thanks for making the time to chat with us. Of course. So you said you have a four-year-old. Uh, when did you realise that you were ready to go again? I think around the two-year mark. I thought I'm still breastfeeding. I'd love to stop breastfeeding, give my body a couple of months to recover. And then I wanted to go again. When I stopped breastfeeding, it was really bizarre. My cycle disappeared. I'd had it back for a year. Um, And then as soon as I stopped breastfeeding, it disappeared for about three or four months, Hmm. which I know freaked me out. (laughs) I'm going into menopause already. I've never heard of that because normally it's the other way around that that some people need to stop breastfeeding before they get their cycle back. Yeah, it was really bizarre. I I Googled it. I spoke to doctors. I spoke to naturopaths. No one had 
sort of come across that before but I I don't know maybe it was my body just being like you're not ready (laughs) ready. you're so sleep deprived you feed all through the night it's just time for you to have a bit of a break but in doing that I got all my bloods done and my bloods came back with a low AMH I don't know if you're familiar with AMH but it's that reading that sort of gives you an indication of your egg reserve it's a little bit controversial is not the right word but if it shows you your egg reserve technically it should always decrease but you can actually boost that number so yeah it's a bit of a a funny metric and but mine was really really low which I I guess sort of losing my cycle having a really low AMH put me into a bit of panic mode Um, and I ended up working with a nutritionist to sort of get all my levels back to normal Um, and it took us about nine months to conceive the twins my daughter was a surprise like nine months felt like the longest nine months of our life yeah trying to make these these babies so I think that's probably why I was so not shocked and quite grateful when I found out I was twins because it just felt like such a lottery when for those nine months I was sort of like are we ever going to be able to have another baby so yeah. So what was it like finding out that you had twins inside? Well the funny thing was as soon as I found out we sort of left the ultrasound clinic and I called my mum and said it's twins and she said oh yeah your granddad was the twin. I was like if I'm kidding, it skips a generation. So I was in the firing line for that and you never thought to mention it. And it wasn't until after I gave birth that I sort of, because my mum sort of brushed it off like, oh yeah, yeah, he was a twin and didn't really give me much. But after the twins were born, I asked her again and she said, oh yeah, his twin actually died at birth. And so that's why I guess it kind of never came up in conversation. And my granddad passed before I was born. So it was sort of, yeah, one of those things that was never brought up. So probably nice that she didn't really go into that while you were pregnant with yes. twins. Yeah, I think that was probably her, her aim. <laughs> yeah. And how did you feel being pregnant with twins? Because obviously suddenly you're watched closer. I guess, you know, th- th- there's always greater risk of complications in twins. Like how did you stay in a positive mindset? It's really hard with twins because you you obviously have that external input, which I, mine wasn't too bad because I hired a private midwife who was sort of seeing me out of the medical system as well as working with doctors and hospitals at the same time. So I really found that when I went to a hospital, I'd go into a bit of a spiral afterwards. But then when I'd have my private midwife at home, she'd sort of bring me back into, into alignment in terms of not being so stressed and worried about the twins. I think the hardest thing for me was I could I could never feel my second twin. He was on the left side of my body and I felt no movement from my belly button to my left rib cage, just nothing over there, which actually made me go in to the hospital to sort of check, hey, is everything okay with that twin? And every time it was just they were sort of lying diagonally across my belly. And so twin two, which is Joey, was kicking Noah and Noah was doing all the movement um, just the way they were sort of curled into each other but that really messes with your your headspace because you're like you know how you have to count sort of count kicks and I think the second time around you're not as paranoid about it you get to the end of the day and you're like oh did I feel yeah yeah okay I felt the movement but with twins you're like did I feel both move today Mm. or was it just one or are they both okay or is just one okay and I think that's the hardest part of twins is you don't know. You don't know whether you're feeling both or one or which one you're feeling. So you, you second guess yourself a lot more, I think, than a singleton pregnancy. And I think the second that you go, I mean, because I had this when I went over with Pearl, that all of a sudden I would get really panicky about 
feeling kicks. And the second that you doubt yourself, have I felt it? Even if you're just waiting like five minutes to feel one, it feels like forever. And then you start to doubt everything you felt like you're like, oh, was that actually just a twitch or was it a kick or was it a and I feel like you do feel this real responsibility where you're like, no one else can feel this but me. Totally. Yeah. It's, and I think, yeah, that's a hard thing about pregnancies. You're the keeper of the baby. Like you, everything falls on you. And so, yeah, if, and, and I've really felt that with birth and going into labor. And it was just, I felt like so much pressure was on me. Like, do I get induced? Do I just let them choose their birthday? If anything happened, it would all be on me. Would would I ever forgive myself? And yeah, it's it's really hard. I think it's really hard on women to have that much responsibility, especially when you're caring for other kids at the same time, right? You're you're so distracted all the time. It's it's almost hard to tune in with a second pregnancy. Is it true that when you have twins, you are more sick? You have morning sickness or day sickness because you've got two of them? Did you find that? Yes. Yeah. I was, and that's, that was sort of what led me to checking how many babies were in there. So my HCG was through the roof. It was sort of at the upper end. You know, every week you get a bracket. Mine was Mm. like right up the other end. And I was so unwell. I had hypermesis. Oh, I was just, yeah, throwing up all day. I just, I, all I wanted to do was just lie face down yeah. in bed. Face it was down. brutal. Yeah, that's all <laughs> I wanted to do. And I guess, Sophie, you can totally relate to that. You just, so can Jade, so, actually. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, of course, both of you. It's just, yeah, it's brutal. And then also my TSH was just climbing like almost every week. My thyroid was just not handling. So my doctor was like, I think you've got more than one baby in there. And so when I went for the scan at nine weeks, which I wasn't going to have, I was going to wait for a 13 or even a 20 week scan. I was on the fence. It was sort of like a rushed last minute scan to double check how many babies. So I sort of felt like I was driving to that scan going, I hope I'm not disappointed when it's not twins because there's no way it's going to be twins. It's just, I've just got one of those pregnancies where you have high HCG. It's nothing to do with twins. So yeah, it was like, oh, I hope I'm not sad when it's not because how cool is the opportunity to have twins, even though it's chaotic. So there would have been much less of a shock when you found out because you kind of were expecting it. Yeah, in a way. I was I was sort of more expecting that I'd be a bit like, oh, twins could have been cool, not, oh, my God, it is actually twins. And I looked over my husband and he was just grinning from ear to ear. So I, at that point I relaxed because I, he was just so excited. He's like, this is so cool. Like how cool that we get to have twins. It's like, how cool that you don't need to grow and birth twins. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, mate. Good for you. And how did you get through having hyperemesis with a, I guess she maybe wouldn't be classed as a toddler anymore, but a young child while you had hyperemesis? I just struggled. I was on Zofran. I was face down. She, I think Netflix probably raised her for, yeah. for those months. I guess my mum stepped in a lot. Ross would come home from work, sort of move clients around and he'd be home so much more sort of filling in the gaps. And I did find some days where I'd sort of push through and try and make it work. I'd be okay. And then I'd get to that night and I'd just be just in the shower, just repeatedly throwing up. Or the next day, I found that the days where I was sort of like, 
oh today's kind of an okay day then the day after that I just feel so much worse yeah so much worse and I feel like sometimes your body has this it's not all the time because there's many times that I spewed it on myself out in public or in the car but I do feel like sometimes your body has this protective mechanism that it goes I know I have to get through this thing I'm doing right now like Jade remember we're in Sydney and we went out to an event and I was like somewhat fine while we were there Mm. and the minute we walked into the hotel room it was literally the second and I saw the bell hotel room door I was like Jade you have to open the door and like I was literally one second off missing the bowl and it was almost like my body relaxed and it was like you can just let it all out now yeah and I like I actually forgot to mention this at the start but I'm a postpartum doula and I I cook for mums it's sort of one of the main parts of my job and I had sort of taken a few months off to finish the updated edition of the book that I'd written and at the end of that that time, I had a mum that was due sort of any day now. And I was just like going, oh, my God, please be better tomorrow. How I can't even look at food, let alone prepare food. But the second I got her message being like, we've had the baby, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can open the fridge. I was literally, I was so bad. I was doing an online food order on Woolworths and I had my laptop and a bowl and I was like leaning over the bowl, throwing <laughs> oh up God. into the bowl whilst like picking ingredients going, how the fuck am I going to put these together? Like, how am I going to cook? But yeah, I, I sort of came good. And then the day after I go down again. So it was, I think my body knew that I, I don't know, I guess I had to fulfill my, my promise and my commitment, but I, yeah, I really struggled on the days after. And how did you find ways to kind of nourish your body while feeling so shit? I sort of accepted the fact that while I was feeling like that, I wasn't going to be eating well. I felt like Paddington Bear. One of the one, only things that I felt good eating was a cheese sandwich, like cheese, butter, plain bread. Yeah, and I felt bread. like Paddington Bear, I'd always have like half a sandwich in my bag. or <laughs> And if I ever felt a little bit nauseous, I'd nibble on that. But I worked out that if I, I was okay sleeping at night, I was never sick during the night. We've got a mutual friend, Sophie Maddie, and she's almost as she was saying her sickest is overnight. She wakes up multiple times and I'm like, I cannot imagine having to get up out of bed to be sick all through the night as well. I just did either of you two have the night sickness yeah, as well? I just have a bowl and a towel and I would just keep doing that and I just put it back down and I just said to my husband, Don't worry about getting up. I'll just keep vomiting in the big bowl. Like it just kept happening. And then in the morning we just tip it out. It was so gross, yeah. but it was like you can't keep getting up. He had to work and I couldn't physically get up and do that and then come back to bed. So I just kept on spewing. It's awful. Pearl was the first time that I had night sickness and I had yeah. to, I ended up taking this medication called rest of it because it also mm. helps with sleep mm. because otherwise I'd get into bed at the end of the day and I'd be so exhausted. And you've literally been looking forward to that time mm. the entire day where you can just go to sleep and I would feel far too sick to fall asleep and you're like I can't even sleep this is the worst I can't imagine that was like my and that's why I'd lie down face down in bed because I'd feel like that was the place where I felt the least sick at night and during the day it didn't make a difference but it was like my safe space of you're not sick here at night you'll be fine but yeah no I was all right I actually ended up hospitalized I was so unwell we all got gastro so I started to feel better at 18 weeks and then we all got gastro and so I just went down for another two weeks and then by 20 weeks I started to feel I could wean off the Zofran but I went to hospital and they said okay you're gonna have to get rest of it not rest of it yeah is it rest of it the one that helps you sleep at night yeah 
I was like, okay, I'll take anything. So I went to the chemist and had a fight with the chemist who was like, this is, what was he telling me? It's an antihistamine to help you sleep. It's not for sickness. I'm like, look, mate, I've just had this printout from New South Wales Health telling me all the solutions to my problem. Do not stop me from getting this medication. I need I'm it I'm a now. woman on a mission. And I took it and it had the opposite effect on me. I was so wired. I could not sleep. I was just mm. up all night. It was horrific. But I didn't actually need that at nighttime to help me sleep. I managed to push through. Okay, well, sorry if anyone took that as a recommendation and then they're up all night. <laughs> but most people are fine. I don't know why it had the opposite effect on me. Because everyone yeah. is different. That's why. Everyone is different. That's so true. And so how was it carrying twins? Like how does that feel on your body? Other than the sickness from, yes, let's say 20 mm-hmm. weeks when I started to feel better, I loved being pregnant. I think when you're postpartum or when you're just a mum, you've just got that soft tummy that you sort of just accept that gump that you're like, okay, this is this is me now. And so when you start to grow a bump, you're like, oh, I've got a firm tummy again. Um, and with twins, you get that so much earlier. So you start to sort of look pregnant much earlier, which is nice. And then from 10 weeks, I felt amazing. I honestly felt so much better than my pregnancy with Billy. With Billy, I was very emotional and hormonal. And I honestly thought, I said to everyone, it's a girl and a boy. I've got yin and yang in me. I've never been more relaxed or balanced. I'm having twins and I'm not stressed about it. I'm not worried about it. I just feel so at peace. It's, I don't know, it was a weird feeling. And I loved the pregnancy up until <laughs> 37 weeks, I'd say. And that's when I started to get really uncomfortable. Did the doctor tell you that you had a time frame of when to birth twins or were they just going to let you birth whenever you felt well the hospital was sort of like we'll do we'll do everything we can to get you to 37 weeks um it's like thanks I can't wait to see what you're gonna do to get me to 37 (laughs) weeks but I was like I was having weekly acupuncture I had my private midwife I was seeing an osteo I was having massage I was having all the things to sort of keep my body feeling as good as it could and I honestly I honestly felt great up to 37 weeks And at 37 weeks, I sort of, I couldn't drive anymore because I really couldn't fit behind the steering wheel (laughs) safely. And um, everyone, my acupuncturist who had seen me every week from four weeks pregnant was saying, your body feels so ready. Like I work with women going into labor and laboring all the time and your body feels so close, like you're, you're feeling ready. My midwife is like, I'd be so surprised if you got to 40 weeks, like everything, you just feel so ready. And so when I got to 40 weeks, I was like, okay, of course, I'm going to be that pregnant woman that gets to 40 weeks. With twins. And I'm like, with twins. I'm going to be that woman and then I'm going to go into labor tomorrow. My body's just going to be like, ha, we're going to get you to 40 weeks and then we'll give birth. And then when I got to 40 weeks, I started to have a bit of a a mental breakdown. (laughs) I just spent that whole week, like every, every night at midnight, I'd sort of wake up and be like, why aren't I in labor? what's going on and I'd have a cry and then I'd go back to sleep and wake up in the morning and yeah. Was there any urgency on them? Like don't they get twins out earlier normally? Well this is the thing I thought most twins went early because they were induced or booked in for a cesarean around that 37 38 week mark which when you do the research a lot of twins are around that mark because they were and it depends because I've got DCDA twins so on the, the the pyramid of skins twins <laughs> they're the they're the lowest risk so you've got two sacs two placentas and um, they're not fighting for resources so they're sort of the lowest risk of the three types of twins um so that sort of 
push them off my back a little bit. And twins, DCDA twins can be born vaginally as, and they prefer twin A to be cephalic, so head down in presentation. They, I think the only twin, they'll do head down for twin one and breach for twin two. But if twin one's breach, they'll pretty much book you in for a cesarean because they worry about which I'm not too sure how it would happen with separate sacs, but I think it's called, I want to say lock, lock jaw or something. And it's when the head of the first twin gets stuck under the chin of the second oh. twin. And that can happen if the twin one is breached. But that's there's very little on it because it seems to be very unreported or quite rare. I'm just picturing and imagining giving birth, right? Mm-hmm. And then giving birth again, like mentally going oh thank god that's over i'm never doing that again and then you're like you know when they warn you about the placenta coming out and you're like that was fine literally your body with bones in it just came out of there the sack of like juggle was fine coming out but to get to i agree jade to pep yourself up for another head to come out i don't know this is like i had i had the the boys in water which everyone's like how did you have a a water birth with twins in a hospital and I said well because I got in the water and they couldn't pull the plug and I didn't (laughs) didn't get out basically because I knew that my daughter was 4.7 kilos so she was 10 pounds three so I knew that my body grew big babies and I I had her at home in water and I didn't have any tearing and I actually found the labor so much worse than the final pushing out of the baby and so I just said, look, I'll have oh. these twins in water and I won't have to deal with hopefully oh. any damage or any pain of actually pushing the baby out. For me, it's a labor that's so much worse. So once I had Noah, Joey basically slipped out. So Breach though? No, he was head down as well. Both head down? Both head down. So he yeah, flipped we- around once Noah came out? No, he. they were both head down the whole way through. At 37 weeks, Joey pushed in front of Noah and he became twin one. And then at 40 weeks, Noah pushed back in front and he went back to twin one position. And then at three days of so 40 and five, Joey moved from head down to sort of transverse. And I think that's how Noah, I guess, engaged more. He moved out of the way. And then, yeah, Noah came out and then Joey followed. How many minutes apart are they? 40. It's so funny. I got the birth certificates done. And for Joey, he obviously has two siblings at his time of birth. He has Billy and Noah. But Noah, at his time of birth, because he was first, only has Billy as his sibling. (laughs) So Noah's birth certificate says siblings, Billy, four years old. Joey's birth certificate says siblings, Billy, four years old. Noah, 48 minutes. Oh, wow. (laughs) So funny that they did that on their birth certificate. So, yeah, they're 48 minutes apart. So were you like in labour having contractions for those 48 minutes or was that 48 minutes of pushing? No, no, not pushing at all. So I had a sort of birth, Noah, my contractions sort of wore off a little bit. Um, I'm still having them, but very, very mild. I sort of soaked up meeting Noah, like having a laugh as to how much he looked like my dad. <laughs> and then I started feeding him and I'd sort of set up the birth space so the obstetrician wasn't in the room. So where I birthed, the birth pool is actually in a separate ensuite. It's not in the actual room. So I was sort of in this little bathroom and the obstetrician on duty was freaking out that I hadn't given birth to twin two immediately after. And the midwife at the hospital was like, look, they want to do an ultrasound to check the position of twin two 
I don't care if there's a head or a bum. I just need to make sure that twin two isn't transverse. So she palped either side of my belly and said, yeah, there's nothing there, nothing there, which means your twin two is either head down or bum down. And she said, but he feels quite high in your uterus. Do you think you could push for me and see if you can help bring the baby down? And I just did a big push without a contraction. And then a contraction followed that push. And he literally just slipped, like literally slipped out because Noah had paved the way. Like it was easy for him, easy for him. You were like, like postpartum doula you I would have you in a second you were so calm when and soothing when you talk you're just talking about giving birth to twins and I feel like so I'm like oh that sounds dreamy as (laughs) I tried to book Layla as my postpartum doula I was due at the end of January and she said she couldn't do it because she was due with twins in March how rude is that what What an absolute bitch as if she can't multitask I know (laughs) And I actually, it was, I had a client in November who was like, oh, please don't pick that up. Oh, please. Oh, oh don't touch that. Oh, don't oh, sit down. Do you want a cup of tea? I'm like, this is ridiculous. This, this is isn't working. Yeah, yeah. This, isn't working. <laughs> this is the opposite of what's meant to be happening. Now, can we talk a little bit more about that mental game of waiting? Like mm. I found it so hard the week with Pearl, but I feel like it would be even harder with twins because you're told the whole time, like they're probably going to come early. They're probably going to come early. So how can you get through that and how can you block out the noise? Because I feel like it's such a universal experience of women who go overdue that, that, that it's just, it's so mentally taxing. And I think with twins as well, because you, when I did was doing that research going, oh, is it just because twins are induced or booked in for a cesarean? I reached out to so many twin mums. I was reading twin forums and it was like 90% of them said, oh, my water's bro- broke at 35 weeks. My I went into labor at 36 weeks. I was booked in at 37 weeks mm. and I went into labor 36 and, and five. So then I, I shifted my mindset to, oh, maybe twins yeah. will come early. So from 37 weeks, I was in that waiting game that you're in at 40 weeks with one baby. Yeah. But just going, it's okay because I'm only 37 weeks. I'm only 38 weeks. But you're so big and uncomfortable. You're physically irritable as well as mentally Mm. and emotionally irritable. And then also with twins, you've got that, I guess, increased risk factor. With a singleton, they sort of say your safe window is from... 38 to 42 weeks there that's the sort of parameters they give you but with twins it basically doesn't exist that you go beyond 40 weeks and that's even naturally like I I found one twin birth it was I think a home birth in America and the twin mum went to 41 weeks or 39 and six like it it was so hard to find anything beyond 40 weeks with twins I don't know if you felt like this, Sophie, but do you feel like after 40 weeks or after due date, even though you tell yourself you can go over and it's almost more weird that you'd have your baby on the due date than before or after it, I felt like I went through the seven stages of grief every day. Like I'd be in denial, I'd be angry, I'd be upset, then I'd sort of accept it and then I'd be angry again and and then the messages, like, do you know how many people text me saying, I had a dream that you had the twins last night. It was two girls. It was two boys. It was a girl and a boy. It was, and I know that they were all, they probably all did have a dream. I had the twins and they were all well-meaning messages. But to me, all I read is, have you had the babies yet? Yeah. 
And they made you so angry. And it's kind of this like, what are you doing to stop it from happening? And you're like, no one wants this child or in your case, children out more than I do. But it's everyone else being like, oh, well, come on then hurry up. And you're like, yeah, I, I'm not sitting here with my legs crossed. <laughs> and then I had one person, I think I would have been about 41 weeks, message me and be like, I'm not searching for information. I just want you to know I'm thinking of you. Yeah. And to me, that was the best message I could have received was just saying that I'm not fishing for information here. Because yeah. even if none of the other check-ins were fishing for information, just them checking in almost felt like they were being like, have you not had the baby yet? I need an update. And I kept saying, like, I'm not going to hide, even my mother-in-law, I'm like, I'm not going to hide the babies from you. You're going to be the first person. As soon as they come out, you're going to be the first person that's that's told. We're not going to hide these babies from you. And then even my mum, who would take Billy to the local shops, would come home and be like, oh, I had four people I don't even know ask me if the twins had arrived. Like, I know how you feel. Yeah, she was exhausted and she's not even pregnant with them. Yeah, it was just, yeah. I think that's almost the hardest part. And so what did you end up getting to? I got to, well, I chose to be induced at 41 and 2. Okay. For me, that was um, that was the day I had the, the gestation that I had my daughter and it didn't make sense to me that I'd be pregnant with twins longer than a singleton, especially a second time around. They say that, say you went at 42 weeks with your first, you'd probably go earlier with your second so it really didn't make sense to me that I'd still be pregnant and I had a list of like do they not want to be a Pisces is that what this is all about like what do these boys know that I don't know what do they why aren't I going into labor I literally had a vision that either twin's head was either side of my cervix and neither of them were able to put their head on they were playing chicken or something they're like who's gonna go first and I was like can one of you just (laughs) plonk your head on that cervix and get things moving please And then, yeah, the other thing was my grandma was on her deathbed back in the UK and my dad wasn't going back because he was waiting to meet the twins. And so he had said to me, look, I'm actually going to book my flight on Thursday. Um, And I shared all of this in my birth story on the Boob to Food podcast that I did the other week. But in that I spoke about how I had to draw a line in the sand and the stars had aligned with a beautiful midwife at the hospital who had had a natural twin birth and three home births. So we were very aligned and she was on duty that day. It was, I felt like it was my gestation for babies. And I went, I just broke my waters and I went into labor 20 minutes later. So it wasn't, yeah, I didn't go on any oxytocin or anything. What tips would you give mums waiting? Because I just don't know it. I feel like it's the biggest mental game. Someone messaged me and said, you, you, you put so much out on social media to the world. I think it's your time to retreat inwards and just go into your space and your zone and get in the headspace for birthing and honor that time and peace and quiet and I did that for a week and then I was so lonely and yeah cut off that I was like well I need oxytocin to have a baby so I had this mental battle with myself where I was like is my body waiting for me to rest and it won't go into labor till I rest and then I'd stay still and then I'd be like wait I should be more active and if I'm active then it will happen and I don't I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do it but I think as much as you can dampen down the noise while not being isolated and lonely is like you've just got to try and find a happy medium but also you're allowed to be frustrated and you'll look back and the week that felt like seven years at the time all of a sudden will feel like a week again once the baby or babies are here but I think it's just unfortunately the experience of going over 
Yeah, and I think it's good for friends and family to know, like, Mm. I know you want to check in to be kind, but like it doesn't matter what your message says it, it they're so they're so triggering it's so funny how like hey how are you, you know today? the Can I bring you a coffee is like fuck you leave me alone. <laughs> no I haven't had the baby so yeah I don't know it's it was by far the hardest and I've just gone through six weeks postpartum with twins and that waiting game was by far the hardest thing I've ever been through and so tell the listeners how much your bubs weighed when you had them so Noah, who was my first, was 4.4 kilos. And Joey, who was second, was four kilos. So the midwife actually weighed Noah three times because she was just completely dumbfounded. She's like, wait, are these scales broken? I don't believe it. Put him on again. Put him on again. And I like they lay between my legs on the hospital bed and I looked at them and thought, how on earth did you fit in there? So you had eight and a half nearly kilos of just baby in just there. Just baby. And then my placenta was weighed 1.2 kilos. Each? No, they fused together. Yeah. So my, my daughter's placenta was 750 grams because the, the lady that encapsulates them kept all of this data. So I was asking her and she weighed the boys individually and it was yeah I think 550 grams nearly 600 grams for each of the boys but they fused together that is just so much human Mm. humans humans like I was big I was pregnant with twins but I look at photos and I'm like maybe because I'm not a petite person so I, I I didn't look completely out of proportion like my belly was big but I um yeah I still I honestly don't know or believe how I fit eight and a half kilos worth of baby in there but so tell us a bit about the realities of postpartum with twins how's it all going it's funny because obviously with my work I'm all about postpartum and rest and Mm. really staying at home and for me my dream this time around was to have a confinement not a strict traditional confinement but more of a modern confinement which is basically traditionally where you don't leave the house for the first six weeks for me my I guess I say to mum set an intention at the start of how long you'd like to honour a period of rest, whether it be three days, a week. And for me, I wanted to do four weeks of quite strict resting at home and 10 days of basically just staying in the bed. And I was wondering whether that would be a stretch and whether I would start to crumble or feel tempted to move out of that. And maybe if it was one baby, I would have, but with twins, we had to leave the house at four weeks, even though I just wasn't ready because we ended up in the hospital with the boys, which I can go into a little bit later if you want me to. But I remember I went to order a coffee and I picked up my long black, which is a lot of hot water. And I went to grab a cup to put underneath Mm. it because it was burning my hand. And the lady said, oh, there's already a second cup. And I nearly burst into tears because I felt like she was having a go at me. (laughs) And at that point I was just like, oh, I'm so not emotionally ready to be out in the world like my I'm so sensitive to noise and to other people and input I just that was my point where I was like I actually need longer to be at home resting and I thought 10 days would be hard to be in bed but with twins it's not like it's not about the physical recovery or how your body feels other than the hemorrhoid which was pretty uncomfortable for those few days it's so hard logistically with twins and like you're just on all day. I reckon I slept an hour a day for the first 10 days. And oh then my gosh. I was riding that hormone, you know, that hormonal wave postpartum. And then that all disappeared at day 10. And 
I actually had a, a friend come and take some postpartum photos and I've never looked more tired in my life. Like I was so tired at day 10 that, yeah, I just, I just felt like there was no way I could leave the house. There was no way I could do anything. I really just had to stay at home with these boys and yeah, focus on them and me not doing anything basically. And what did or does a day look like for you? Like you're feeding them at the same time now. Is that what, are they always hungry at the same time? That's the hardest thing. So people say to you with twins, you need to get them on a routine. um, Otherwise you'll be on 24 hours a day. And that was, I really struggled with that when I was pregnant because with my daughter, I just, we co-slept. I just fed her on demand whenever she was hungry, whenever she'd be teary or grumpy when we were out of the house, I'd just whack her on the boob. It was just completely baby led. I never did sleep training. I never did anything like no routines. It was just whatever she wanted. And so I was like, I want to do that with twins. And then people like, it's impossible. You're just on all day. And so I sort of thought, I'll see how I go. And for those first 10 days, it was just, yeah, baby led, tandem feeding. If one wasn't feeding, I'd put them down and then feed the other one. I'd be sort of set up like this for six or seven hours at a time sort of tandem feeding the two boys and I think my biggest regret was not getting a really good tandem feeding pillow from the start I got given two sort of quite soft flimsy pillows and being sat at one of those for five six hours at a time just ruined my back and so I ended up at about three weeks getting this really good sturdy twin feeding pillow which has been a game changer because yeah I literally slept when I did doze off like I was on an airplane for those first two weeks just sat upright at a tandem feeding pillow and then I got to the point where I was like okay fine I need to put these boys on some sort of we'll do this together we'll change but you can't change a nappy at the same time so you have to do one then Mm. the next and it doesn't take twice as long because you're dealing with two completely different personalities so everything takes three times if not four times as long Mm. and then you you want to put them both to sleep at the same time but then one falls asleep and one doesn't and then as soon as the second one falls asleep the first one wakes up again and what about the four-year-old where is she who's looking after her is she self-sufficient is she the one cooking in the kitchen I literally said to my husband I'm like oh my gosh if I didn't have my mum living next door Billy would be dead I have no idea when she lost eight when she last had a drink, if she's been to the toilet, did she? where did she sleep last night? Like I was just in tunnel vision with the boys. But because I'm, I'd planned to have a very strict 10 days in bed and then quite a strict four weeks at home, I put in everything I could to be supported in that way. My husband mm. had two weeks off work. My mum lives next door. So she basically had my daughter for those first two weeks and then intermittently for the the next two weeks. I just, yeah, my sole focus was on the boys. My husband and my daughter slept in her room and I just had our room with the boys. But then at about the three-week mark, I was like, I'm just not sleeping. I actually need an extra set of hands in here. But the other thing about having that time at home is I feel like at the four-week mark, with I feel like with one baby, it takes about 10 days to two weeks to get to know the baby, you know, sort of how they like to be held, whether they take a dummy, what's their favorite feeding side, do they like the carrier, do they prefer the, you know, all of those little things. I feel like with twins, it takes about four weeks to get to know the babies. And so at that point, things get a little bit easier because you're like, okay, I know you like the dummy, so I can give you the dummy and put you down while I settle your brother who hates a dummy. You like the rocking chair, you don't. 
you're really quick at feeding on this side, you're not, that kind of thing. Isn't it crazy? It's incredible how different they are. So different. And even if you have identical twins, people will tell you that their personalities from the beginning are so different. Mm. And yeah, I'll say that I've got eight-week-old twins, so I'm absolutely no expert. But I find that when I talk to twin mums that have like a three or four-year-old twins, you ask them about, hey, what did you do at this point? And they're like, "Mm, I don't remember. And I feel like that's even with with mums with one baby, you say, even if they're three months ahead of you, you say, oh, how are you swaddling them at five weeks? And they're like, "Mm, I don't know. Like, was I swaddling them at that age? Were they eating? Like, how many bottles? You just don't remember. You're in such, like, you're just in tunnel vision with the zone. And when you're in it, it's so vivid and takes up all, like, every fibre of your body and you just cannot imagine ever forgetting Forgetting it. it. And then you're literally one week down the track and you're like, oh, did I say that? Was that what was happening? Totally, totally. So this is, I guess, yeah, just surviving those six weeks. And I think if you can put in all the support in the world to take care of everything else around you so you can solely focus on the babies and then if there's any time left over on yourself, I think that's the only way to survive postpartum with twins. So what supports did you put in place? Because I feel like there's a lot of chat about postpartum support, but then you know, often as mums or as women or whatever, we know that's a good idea, but then we're like, oh, where can we actually relinquish that control? So like what were some things that you actually did that practically helped you? So I think in terms of like families, one of the biggest supports that you can get because it's sort of unconditional support that you can rely on, especially if you have other kids. For me, I guess, and this is the reason I wrote my book, is I think a meal train is the most valuable thing you can do as a new mum or for new mums. I literally, we didn't cook for six weeks. We had friends and family drop a meal off every day. And if not every day, they drop a couple of meals off for six weeks. We didn't do a grocery shop. We just had a never ending train of people dropping meals to our door. And that just wasn't for me. That was obviously that fed my husband, Ross and Billy as well. So that took that completely out of the equation. Um, I had my mum who predominantly helped with Billy. And I think that was a bit hard for her because she was really conscious not to come into the house and go for the babies. She was really trying to help with that transition with Billy because I think a lot of people go to your firstborn or your first children and say, oh, you're a big sister. And they just don't care. And they're sick of hearing about this cute baby. They want to be seen as themselves. She's like, I'm very aware I'm a big sister. You (laughs) don't need to tell me. Literally everything's changed. (laughs) And it was funny because with my first, I'd sort of, my mum would walk through the door and I'd hand her a baby. But this time it was like, she'd just take care of Billy. Um, And then I also had a a postpartum doula and that was very interesting to experience having a doula, not just as a postpartum doula, but having a doula with twins because I'd never supported a twin mum before. And it is a lot of normally as a postpartum doula, you'd sort of come in, make sure mum's fed, check in and hold the baby while she has a bath or a sleep or with twins, it sort of just hands them a baby and you have the other baby and you just do what you can to survive those two hours it's it's quite hard to jump in the shower or have a bath or because you're kind of both just settling Mm. a baby well I feel like even that with the third is like a break is 
just having your baby. So I can only, I can only imagine what it's like with a twin that like your break is to just have one twin, but you still have like a very dependent newborn baby on you and that is your rest. Yeah. And I, I didn't actually do much research or reading or which I did loads of the first time around around twins because I just wanted to see how I was going to go and how I was going to adapt to it and I, I always thought that twins would be easy as your first babies because you just don't know any different but the experience of having had a baby before and having breastfed before makes a huge difference but yeah the logistics of two babies it's just um, I was actually talking to Rana on the weekend you interviewed Rana gosh maybe you had the micro premie bubs yeah, yeah the twin girls Hazel and Lola and um, I was talking to her on the weekends because our girls are a similar age and she has a sauna so I went around and jumped in the sauna and our girls played <laughs> and she held a baby and my husband held a baby which was really nice and she was saying that she listened to my but or she was reading my postpartum on my Instagram and saying that even though her experience was obviously heartbreaking and awful and she said the girls were sort of put into a very strict routine from birth. She was pumping at the same time every day. They were given bottles at the same time. They were sort of put in a routine. Because they were in NICU for anyone who hasn't listened to that story. Yet. Yeah. And so she was saying, I just can't imagine how hard it would be to sort of, because everyone knows that babies, you can't really put babies in a routine in the first six weeks. It's just, it's just a free for all shit show basically. So then when you've got two babies and two personalities, it, it is just, okay, you're asleep, right? Okay. You're awake now. Okay. Get you to sleep. Okay. You're awake now. And it's just a constant, I guess, juggle of babies. Do they sleep together? Yeah. They just sleep in bed with me. So it's just me and the two boys in bed. Are they next to each other or are they side by side of you? Yeah, they're side, They're next to each other. And I normally just lie on my side and breastfeed yeah. one. And then when that one falls asleep, I sort of move it behind the other one and bring the next one forward. And it's just sort of a, a juggle. And do they just love, like, because they're so used to being together, do you find that when they're separated, they sense that? It's so disappointing. They just don't even see each other. So I, like, I thought twins, they'd be like, have this relationship where they just like, just looked at each other longingly all, all, all day and they were like best friends because they were womb mates. And like, it's so funny because my daughter will be in the room and she'll be talking and they'll just stare at her lovingly. And then with each other, they just like, just look just past each other, like not even yeah. eye contact. I'm like, you guys are brothers, just love each other. Just no They're one. over each other already. It's so funny. It's so funny. I just honestly thought, because all the cute twin videos you see are like baby, like twin babies cuddling. Yeah, they hold hands. Holding out nap, just no interest. You've got to like force their hands together for a photo. You're like, love each other, please. Or it's like they like sneeze and like, their hands brush and you like quickly get it it's yeah it's so funny and then you see all those cute videos of twins together but the reality is two babies crying at the same time is just it's so yeah. hard you just don't know which baby to go to first it's like okay well you're crying real tears so I'm going to pick you up first it's just so overwhelming on so many levels but at the same time it's it's so cool to have two babies it's just uh, it is double the love and it's just so special to be able to cuddle and feed. How do you go about the the guilt of like having, you know, I just remember coming home with my third child and I just felt it was so hard to divide myself with three kids. How do you go about divvying up time for your four-year-old and the other two? Like where do you ever have that sense of, oh, my gosh, I just don't feel like 
I'm, I'm giving everyone a piece of me or are you pretty understanding of that? I, I often think about what you say, Sophie. I'm pretty sure it's what you've said a few times, Sophie, is that none of your children will ever have as much attention and love as your firstborn had. And I just try and remind myself that Billy literally had four years of undivided attention and love. And these boys will never, they'll never even have close to that because from the day they've been born, they've had to not only share with Billy but share with each other mm-hmm. and I've accepted I had to do a lot of sort of I guess preparation and mental work around the fact that this is just a season and I think having twins second makes you realize that the really hard moments and the hard days are so fleeting and that they do just pass so quickly but yeah I've really accepted the fact that it's going to be hard for the first few months and I'm not going to be able to give Billy some days any attention at all especially in the first three weeks I, I didn't have any solo time with Billy and I cried. I think that's when my milk came in. I just like the boys were asleep next to me and she came and lay next to me and I just sobbed into her neck. Oh, just sobbed God. because I just felt so like I can't even put a baby down and then come and spend five minutes with you because I put a baby down and I picked the next one up. It was that juggle is so much more intense with twins. But what was, I guess, really beautiful for me is been like sitting here stuck underneath babies for hours a day and not having that time with my daughter but watching her relationship with my husband Ross just blossom to our like their relationship now has just changed and evolved so much and that's been I guess the thing that's helped me feel less guilty and that's helped get me through this time and I know like give it another few weeks or a couple of months and we'll be in a better routine and I'll be able to pop the boys down at night and then go and spend some time with her or have a bath with her or even sometimes like in the afternoons and we couldn't do this at first because it was so overwhelming but the boys hate the pram but they love the double carrier so I pop them both in the double carrier they fall asleep and then I can take we can go for a walk at witching hour I walk down to the local park with Billy and she gets that attention and time Mm. from me but you really have to if you've got other kids you just really have to surrender and accept that especially during those first four weeks you are not going to have the space or time and if you can organize for other people because I was so conscious as well I didn't want Billy to feel like I was shipping her out of the house every day but it was very Billy led that I want to sleep at grandma's tonight I want to go out I want to work with daddy whatever it was she did not want to be stuck at home with crying babies but you do I think support not so much for the mum because you're just in caring for baby mode I think if you've got one baby you're really conscious of giving mum all the time she can to rest and recover but with twins it's give mum all the time she can to figure out these babies and to adapt to life with two and use your support network as much as possible to be there for your other children just while you navigate those early weeks because once you get in a groove and you understand the babies, you can start to create little pockets of space. But yeah, during those early weeks, the guilt is so real and your time is just, yeah, you don't even have time for yourself, let alone for your other kids. Because I heard from one twin mum who she had twins as her first children. So that was her <laughs> welcome to motherhood. And she said that she mourned the fact that, you know, she would never know because they were her first as well. She would never know what it was like to have one-on-one time with really any child, yeah. any baby, I guess. I Once they're older, you will obviously be able to have one-on-one time with them. But she was like, yeah, I just like really mourn the fact that I, I, I can't have that with one baby. 
I even feel that with the boys in the sense that I feel like I'm missing milestones right in front of my eyes because I'm splitting my attention in two. Like I have about 700 pictures in my phone of Billy's first baths and I don't even think we got a picture of these boys having... The they bath. haven't been bathed yet. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's because like one of you is holding one baby, the other one's not the other. You haven't got a spare. You need an extra hand or an extra set of arms really. But yeah, I honestly feel like I probably missed both of their first smiles because I was looking at the other baby. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a very real feeling is sharing your attention between two babies and also the guilt between the two babies of, oh, I've complimented you, I better compliment you. Do I, do I keep picking you up first? Do I need to pick you up? Like, it's so stupid. But, yeah, you've really got to share so much from the beginning and then, of course, you have your other baby or children at home. How do you keep up with who you fed last? Most of the time they're feeding together. And it's so funny, in the night, our routine that we found works really well is that the first one to wake up goes on the boob, the second one to wake up gets a bottle, and then I try and pump at some point during the day to to have those bottles. But we have been using donor milk as well because sometimes there is not a point in the day where you haven't got a baby on you to be able to pump. You've just... There's no, there's no window of time to, to be able to do that. And then sometimes I'll be like, oh, which one do you have? And my husband would be like, I don't know, Joey, Joey. And I'm like, no, no, because I'm feeding Joey. You must have Noah. And so I don't know how people do it with identical twins because my boys look nothing alike. And still in the night, we have no idea which baby we're looking after. I mean, my kids are 5'3 and newborn and they all get the wrong name the whole time, even though like there's no two babies. They're all very, very different, but they never get the the right name. Well, I don't understand like because... Yeah, we, I guess we've given them quite different names. But when people have twins and they call them things like, I don't know, Bill and Bob, I'm like, you were just asking for a difficult, <laughs> like, well, I get, I, yeah, I, I call my, my, my daughter my sister's name all the time. It's just so hard to remember who's who. And I remember we asked Rana this and I was so intrigued by the answers, but what are things that you should not say to a twin mum? To be honest, I really haven't, I guess, moved into that stage yet. I like the boys hate the pram so I've got them in a double carrier which just I think twins get stopped as it is but when they're in a double carrier like we're wearing koala bear suits because it's cold at the moment every single person stops you to say oh they want to ask are they identical how old are they all of those questions and it's normally older people and they're so sweet, but they don't realize that you've just been stopped by 12 other nannies on the, on the way down the path everyone says double trouble or you've got your hands full I listened to a really good chat the other day with Fiona from Mama Matters with another yeah. twin mum and she spoke about yeah, her experience with older twins and she was saying, Fiona said she saw a twin mum with a pram and the mum was wearing a T-shirt that says, yes, I've got my hands full. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone you walk past says that to you. But I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't moved into that stage yet where I'm getting annoying unsolicited advice or really care about the comments, but I've only I've only been out of the house for a couple of weeks so maybe ask me again in a few months I'll have a few more answers for you and so what happened when they got sick did they both get sick or just one and how did you handle going to hospital I think that was probably the hardest thing I've been through and I think I still have a bit of PTSD when the boys cry from that so they both ended up with what we found out was enterovirus 
Have you heard of that? No. And it was quite interesting because they both had a fever, but Noah was really um, fractious. He did not want to be touched. He was squirming and screaming all night. But he's quite colicky and quite gassy. And so they were sort of symptoms that we were used to, but not that bad. And at first I sort of thought, it's just having a really bad night. Maybe he's really constipated. I'm not sure what's going on. But then Ross was trying to settle him and passed him to me at about two o'clock in the morning. I said, God, he feels so hot. And I checked his temperature and he was about 38.5. At that point, I checked Joey just because they're twins. And and he too had the same temperature, but he was fine. He was just fast asleep, happy as anything. And that's when I said, well, we've got to go to hospital. And Ross said, it's just the temperature. It means their body's fighting something. I said, no, no, under three months, you have to go to hospital and he obviously went to the toilet and googled it and then came running into the room right we've got to go to emergency <laughs> now and so we got there and they they were really good they took us straight through and took their temperature and did their heart rate and both of them had really really high heart rates Noah was really uncomfortable to be touched or moved so he had all four markers of sepsis so they they check for high temperature irritability to touch or move high heart rate and there's a fourth one anyway he was showing all four signs of that joey just had the high heart rate and the temperature so they were actually more worried about noah and they did a covid test and i think that does influenza a b covid and maybe rsv and they were saying to me oh we hope it's just one of these and it's a virus and you're fine And then they were trying to draw blood from the boys, which I don't know if you've ever had a baby that's tried to have blood taken. It's just the most. That's a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. And also the staff that are on emergency, they're obviously lovely, but babies aren't their specialty. And so I don't think they're that used to taking blood from tiny veins. So poor Noah had both hands and both feet botched and it didn't it just wasn't working and then they called a nurse down from the pediatric ward and she was lovely and she was a twin mum and so I felt much more comfortable but she was saying look I really hope it's one of these viruses but if it's not we are actually quite worried about Noah they ended up calling the head pediatric doctor in from home and he came in and he sort of took his mask off and said hey look I'm really really worried about Noah I think like it could be cold source of the herpes virus or bacterial meningitis. Mm. He's showing all of these symptoms and yeah, we're we're much more concerned about Noah, but we're also concerned about Joey. And then the virus results came back as all negative. And they said, look, these ones are negative. There are 400 other viruses that we can't test for instantly. They take about 24 to 48 hours, but we'd really like to do a lumbar puncture on the boys to check their white blood cell count so they did then they did everything on Noah first they had to get a urine sample which we managed to get because they were also talking about putting a tiny catheter in and I was just like please wee boys please wee boys yeah please 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 and they did thank goodness so they did blood test and lumbar puncture and lumbar puncture came back clean fine for Joey they said that the white blood cell count they like it to be between zero and five in babies at this age but then they said, but we're worried about Noah because his has come back at six. Oh, at God. which point I freaked out because I thought if it's if the range is zero to five, six is quite a big leap. On the third day in the hospital, they said to me, oh, no, we're worried about it if it's in the hundreds. And I'm like, God, I wish you had told me that because I've been worried about this white blood count for, for days. Anyway, they ended up admitting us into hospital and they put both boys on 
two different types of antibiotics to try and fight what they were hoping was wasn't bacterial it was just viral but like like I said they sort of have to act really quickly on babies because they just don't know and they can go down so quickly and yeah they were just being monitored every 15 minutes overnight their heart rates were both really high their temperatures kept getting higher Um, and then finally on the the second day we got the results back to say that they were tested positive for enterovirus the second night or well, the first night Noah got really bad they wanted to his his saturation got down to sort of 91 92 so they wanted to give him oxygen to help support him but as soon as they put on the actual warm air he his levels came up so he was just on air for I think the two nights that we were in there and Joey was just on um, fluids and monitoring but yeah when I put when we got sorry I'm jumping all over the place when I got home from the hospital and I sort of it's just so funny watching them like (laughs) (laughs) oh and he's done a spew and I didn't even realize sorry darling but just watching you like you're you're having a conversation with us but you were doing you're doing 20 million different things like your arms are going you're putting a boob in here you're lifting his neck up you're talking you're moving your mic like you you're remembering a conversation like this is all part of like it's one thing to be a mother but mother of twins this is just insane just to sit here and watch you we might have to put a snippet up so people can see what what we're actually viewing we're forgetting to ask questions because we're both just like fascinated I've I've been quiet this whole time because I'm literally just in watching you yeah my mum's like it's just like spinning plates with twins and that it is it's just like spinning plates but I don't know I honestly feel like I've I won the lottery with getting twins I just think it's such I mean it's hectic and it's a lot and I know probably much harder days are to come but I think it's just so cool it's something that I guess unless you go through IVF and you try and wing it so you get an extra embryo in there it is something that you can't choose and it is I think that when you were talking about being pregnant and being worried or if you have unfortunately have a miscarriage with one baby you sort of go okay but we can make another baby and I was so scared for the first 20 weeks about having a miscarriage because in my head I was like if we lose a twin or the twins I can never have twins again like what are the chances that you'd fall pregnant with twins again and so that was another I forgot to mention before another thing that really played on my mind for the first half of the pregnancy was I don't want to lose this opportunity. Like it's such a, it's hectic, but it's such a cool, a cool blessing to have two babies. Yeah. One of my friends who has twins is just amazed how often in public people say things like, oh, you poor thing. Oh my gosh. And she's like, as much as, yeah, it's been really challenging. It's a lot of children to have at once. She went through IVF and actually one of them was spontaneously conceived and one of them was IVF but they had sex when they were not meant to be having sex she just says like if you knew what I went through to have these babies like it's not poor thing it's hard work but as you said double the love yeah I had I had a lady come up to me at the markets when I was pregnant she said oh that baby must be ready to come out I said, oh, babies and not quite yet. And she said, oh, twins. My auntie always said I wouldn't wish twins on my own worst enemy. And I was like, oh, thanks. <gasps> Such a, like, a, just a bizarre thing to say. Um, <laughs> People yeah. just have no oh, idea. No, oh, no especially idea. when you're pregnant, the shit that comes out of their mouth is just. 
And and it was actually funny because I was I when I was pregnant with my daughter, I got a few people comment about uh. things. And so I was kind of excited this time around to be like, it is actually, but no one, not one person said, oh, that must be twins. And if some Damn. people said like, oh, are you, are you nearly due? And I'd be like, oh, it's twins. We've got a few weeks to go or whatever. They'd say, oh, I thought so. I just didn't want to say anything. I was like, good for you. Well done. Good on you. You've learned. I could have dished you a couple of my <laughs> spectators. <laughs> Do you reckon there's anything else that we need to cover? I guess essentials for twins. Yeah, my tips would be I found a double carrier amazing. I found it really helpful. If you've had one baby, you you understand the value of having a single carrier. Most afternoons we each wear a baby, so me and my husband have a carrier each. But when you're home on your own and both babies want to be held, when they were babies, I'd sort of hold them both up and jig, jig them. But the bigger they get, it's so yeah. hard to do that. So being able to, as soon as I, they'll be tantruming and as soon as I clip them in they both sort of look up at me and fall asleep so to me a twin carrier has been a lifesaver but with anything else other than a a single carrier it's good if you if you're not a single mum to have two of those so you can each wear a baby but other things don't buy two of everything like we have gone through four different types of rocking chair device because it's just baby dependent. So I just, yeah, don't go and buy two of everything or even multiple items. Just try them. Because you might have one baby that loves it and one baby that doesn't. If you're planning on breastfeeding, it's probably the most intense part of having newborn twins is the tandem feeding and the cluster feeding. Someone said to me, make sure you you learn to latch each baby individually before you attempt to tandem feed. And that was really good advice because yeah, it's two babies. You've got to you've got to figure out two different latches. Yeah. They're holding hands. Different... They're holding hands. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> they love each other. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> got it on camera. Touching each other in the head. It might um, have been a punch, but I'm not sure. We'll go with the we'll go with the touching hands. I didn't even think about that, how hard it is teaching one to latch at the start. And that's such a double-handed move to, like, get them on. Yeah. So, and then that, like, getting a really good tandem feeding pillow is just, if you're planning to breastfeed, you need to, unless you've got amazing, efficient feeders straight off the bat, which I'm not sure if any babies are like that, when they go through cluster feeding sessions, you're sat in the same position for hours. So making sure if you're going to be left at home on your own, you've got a pretty amazing station set up around you. Mm. Um, but, yeah, a really good tandem feeding pillow. And I think that's it for in terms of what I think have been essential for the newborn phase. A meal train, non-negotiable. If you can afford a postpartum doula, they are real life angels. But if you can't, just making sure you have people to help with your firstborn is so, or your other children is so essential while you figure life out with twins. And like I said, that takes about four weeks, I reckon, to get to know both babies well enough that you can start to go out in the car or leave the house or, yeah, all of those things that you can kind of do quite easily with one baby. Like just strap the baby to you and off you go with two. It's I took them both out in the pram and they slept for two hours. And then the next day I took them both out in the pram and all three of us ended up crying at a bus stop. So 
<laughs> you win some, you lose some. And I think people get awkward about meal trains, like asking people to cook for them. But I think the easiest way is you just ask one friend to organize it and then they send it out to everyone. And often people are looking for ways to help and don't really know how to help. So just cooking a little bit extra when they're cooking for their family already really isn't that much of an effort but makes such a difference to the mum. Huge difference. And actually that was my postpartum doula organised my meal train and that was amazing because I sort of had it set up where we had meals for four weeks and then when we ended up in hospital, she was the one that actually put out another call out and said, hey, if anyone's got any capacity, there's a few more empty days in Layla's meal train. So I even felt like I never had to ask or pester. Someone else did that for me. But I think if all mums could get a meal train set up for them by a friend, it it completely transforms your postpartum experience. It's I think people don't understand the value of not having to cook, not only for mum, but when dad or partner gets home from work, mm. like they can come and help you or be with you or spend time mm. with your other kids. They're not stuck in the kitchen. Yeah trying to figure out what everyone's going to be eating. It just takes so much off the mental load for both parents. So, yeah, I highly recommend all friends organise meal train. And the website's awesome. The mealtrain.com website is amazing. You just pop in the dates. You can do all dietary requests, your address, and then you you just share it with people and they say, hey, I'm going to do it on Monday the 22nd and someone else. I didn't realise there was a thing. Yeah, and yeah. then it emails, That's brilliant. it emails them to remind them, hey, oh. you're cooking for Layla tomorrow, and it emails me to remind me, hey, Jade's bringing you a casserole tomorrow or whatever. That's yeah. great. So, I'd bring you a lasagna. but <laughs> <laughs> And it leaves a little thing that it can be like, please don't knock, just leave at the front door yeah. and message this number once it's left. <laughs> yeah, totally. And take the washing. And that was the other thing with twins. I think with my first, I sort of wanted a lot more people to sort of knock and like knock and drop and then leave. But with twins, like just coming in to hold a baby, even for 10 minutes while you pop to the toilet is so helpful. Yeah. It's so helpful. Like it's not even coming in and loading a dishwasher or doing a load of washing. It's holding a baby for 15 minutes. So you can go to the toilet or pump or have a shower or whatever you need to do. Well, thank you so much for chatting yeah. with us. The juggle is mesmerizing. <laughs> it is. They are such sweethearts and have been so well behaved as we've gas bagged for ages. No worries at all. It was nice to to meet you. I've literally listened to you. Well, not you, Sophie, but you, Jade. I've literally listened to you girls from the very, very beginning. So. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.